Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Littlest Petcast. I am your host, James, and today we are going over the episode Snipmates. So, let us begin. I really like this episode. I'm just, I'm just gonna say that up front. I really like this episode. We're gonna see why in a bit. So... It begins with Blythe coming down the dumbwaiter, excited, and she says, uh, guess who's going to be on TV? Hint, she's holding, uh, um, I forgot what it was exactly, but it was like, a a thing of spindles or something for, you know, making stuff or sewing she just came down the dumbwaiter, or she's standing here, and three, she's me. And everyone's excited, but Vinny says he's going to need one more hint. So Blythe explains that the show she's going on is a fashion program called Snipmates. She sent in an audition tape a little while ago and got accepted, and that a car is coming to take her to Fashion University North for the shoot. So... The Pants are concerned because of her previous TV experiences on Shake a Leg and Terriers and Tiaras. They also forget to mention when she became a 15-minute fashion icon on the news for stealing a bird's nest on accident. And also the failed Tiniest Animal Store pilot, which happened not too long ago. And also... Her going back to Fashion University North at all. If I had a Coraline-style nightmare about a place, I would not be rushing to go back there at any point. If, like, I was so worried about, like, becoming a weird zombie-like thing... And being absorbed into it. I would not go back there. That's just me talking. And Sunil adds. And also try not to freeze up on camera. Which I think you're going to do. But Blythe says that this show is about fashion. It's in her wheelhouse. She'll be okay. And she explains that the winner will have their designs displayed at Blobbity Blahs. I love I love these naming conventions. Uh, like just 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 blobbity blahs or tray blase. It's so it's so hilarious. I just love it. So Blythe explains that it is a very exclusive store that has stuff way before it's cool, and you're not even allowed to window shop if you're not hip enough. So Blythe says it's going to be a good day, but then a sugar sprinkles walks in and says that she's angry and it won't be a good day. Blythe asks if she wants to talk about it, but Sugar Sprinkles says no. So Blythe's car comes up and she leaves, wishing it'll get better for Sugar Sprinkles. Meanwhile, the other pets try to talk to Sugar Sprinkles, but she remains mad and takes it out on a beach ball. So this is the B-plot. Why is Sugar Sprinkles mad? So, two things. One, this is another bottle episode kind of episode. So, I am going to be comparing the not bottle human section to the 
very bottle pet section a little bit. And two, like the twist in Senior Day, you can see the answer straight away, but I'm not going to say it because it did get me the first time. That said, uh, let's go. So, back at fun, Blythe walks on set and sizes up her competition, saying that they're the best of the best. Mustache guy, mohawk girl, sweater vest, mohawk sweater vest. She then spies some competitors that surprise her. The Biscuit Twins. <laughs> she asks if they're interested in fashion design, and they say they aren't. She asks what they're doing here then, and they say that they want their designs to be in blobbity blahs since it's very exclusive, and they shop there all the time. So their dad bought them a position on the show. Brittany picks up some scissors and asks what they're for. Blythe explains that they're scissors and that they're used to cut things, like fabric. The twins say Blythe is so smart. So someone recognizes Blythe, and Blythe recognizes her as her ex-fun roommate, McKenna Nicole, who is without a hat this time around. Because that was, like, her thing, like, last time we saw her. Hat. I guess fashion has changed a little for McKenna. So, whatever. So, Blythe asks what McKenna's been up to, and they kind of just don't have the conversation of why Blythe just left fun in the middle of the camp for whatever. Like, it's for a good reason. Like, Blythe's, like, mental state wasn't at the right point to be doing something like that and i don't know it's just it's just weird that they don't talk about it or that we haven't seen that conversation previously or something i don't know that's just it just seems like a weird thing to just kind of brush to the side i don't know it's okay so so now, okay, here's the thing. I love this episode. It's a great episode. There's just 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 a few cracks. And I guess this is one of the cracks. Although, I mean, I guess the writing style switched since season two to season four. And they need to, like, figure it out. Oh, and they could have done a little bit of a better job. It's hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pocket this for now and get back to it once the episode is over. Cause there's there's a lot more little stuff like this that like makes it weird in a sense. So, McKenna says that she's been getting her stuff out and winning some local competitions, and she's so excited to be on the show and would do anything to win. Bum, bum, bum! You could hear that, even though that's not part of the show. You can definitely hear that. So, the host enters, and everyone turns, and it is Mona Autumn, and she says she's the guest judge for this particular episode. Mona says hi to Blythe, 
and says, don't think I'm going to go easy on you. In fact, I may judge you even harsher, which I think is fair. Because, like, Mona has seen Blythe do some pretty impressive things. So, Mona explains the rules of the competition. Can you impress me? That is the only rule she has laid out. And if you can, that's good. If you can't, you get snipped. Hence the name of the show, Snipmates, which is also the name of the episode of The Littlest Pet Shop Show. So, uh, Mona explains that there's a bus waiting outside to go to a fabric emporium. Go! The competitors leave. Meanwhile, at the pet shop, Sugar Sprinkles sings a darker variant on her secret Cupid song called Pain and Suffering. And then uh, she finishes by saying the spoken words, and then meteors, and then the moon comes crashing down. And it's like... It, it's the same, like, melody as Secret Cupid, but it's about how she wants uh, pain and suffering. And then Sunil asks, does, does Sugar Sprinkles' song lack the usual upbeat quirkiness? So the pets want to figure out what is bothering Sugar Sprinkles, but no one wants to ask her directly. They need to because she's their friend, but she's not, you know, friendly at the moment. So Minka suggests they draw straws, and then the animals take out notepads and literally draw straws, except for Vinny, who draws a duck, and Russell says, Vinny, we are supposed to draw straws. And then Vinny says, man, I was way off. This is, this is some good, irreverent humor. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just a good bit. It's a good bit. <laughs> uh, so then Minnie goes to ask Sugar Sprinkles what's wrong, and she yells everything so loud at Minnie that it bowls him into the rest of the pets and the chair, and it causes all of that to go flying. And then... Russell figures it out, like, a while before I thought the twist came up. I mean, it's quicker than I remember it being. So, Sugar Sprinkles is missing the Sugar Sprinkles on her head, and is now out of control because of it. So, this is another thing I'm going to pocket, but we are going to talk about this. Don't think I'm not. I'm just... Waiting for the right moment. I am I am lining up my shots like I say season four is doing. So, at the Fabric Emporium, Mona says that everyone has one minute and one dollar to get some fabric. So, the Biscuit Twins are disgusted because they've never held this little money before. <laughs> Which is another good bit about how rich people are the worst. So, the competition begins, and the competitors are off. Blythe and McKenna find the uh, discount section, and McKenna writes it off, saying it's just a bunch of dusty old stuff with no appeal, but Blythe says that there's usually a hidden gem if you know where to look. 
McKenna wishes her luck and leaves, but Blythe, Blythe then finds some gold fabric and declares it her hidden gem. McKenna sees this and gets nervous. Outside, McKenna is telling Blythe she had to climb for it, but she found a fabric she likes. She asks how Blythe did in the clearance corner, and Blythe shows it off and McKenna is impressed. As Mona is explaining what to do next, McKenna switches her bag with Blythe's, and they go off. So, at the pet shop, Russell officially begins Operation Resprinkle. So Vinny and Sunil are on Team Extraction. Their goal is to sneak into Sweet Delights to get the sprinkles. Zoe, Minka, Pepper, and Penny are on Team Distraction. Their goal is to keep Sugar Sprinkles distracted so that she doesn't destroy Lilith's pet shop. Sugar Sprinkles appears feral. She is feral now. Like, like she's not angry. She's, like, really feral. Like, like, her tone is darkened and her hair is messy. And everyone hides. Sunil and Vinny discuss the ideas on how to get in. Sunil wants to stop the security system and drop through the vents. Vinny wants to go in from the roof. Russell says they could just use the hole in the wall like they always do. And Vinny and Sunil are like, fine, we'll do it the easy way. So while they sneak in, Sugar Sprinkles is still angry. So the girls are worried, and Zoe wishes she signed up for Team Extraction. Penny has an idea. Hugs! Pepper is worried, but it then appears to work when Penny hugs Sugar Sprinkles. Uh, and Sugar Sprinkles calms down and starts purring. They wonder if they need Sprinkles, but Sugar Sprinkles goes back to being feral. Minka tells Penny to hug her again, but Penny's like, no, and runs off with Sugar Sprinkles on her tail. Back at fun for the shoot, Mona parachutes in and then explains that parachute pants are going to be a big hit on shelves and that you have three minutes to make some parachute pants. Go. Blythex is excited but pulls out some blue camouflage instead of the fabric she purchased. She blames the biscuits and goes to give them a piece of her mind. She walks over to find that they are tied up in their fabric and their measuring tape and they ask what she wants because they're busy creating fashion. Blythe leaves them to it, understanding that they didn't steal from her and are probably going to fail. Blythe wonders who stole their fabric, but with the mounting time pressure, she gives up for now and works with what she has. Once the round is over, Mona judges everyone's pants. She really isn't impressed by anyone, but allows them to stay. She looks at what the biscuits have created and snips them because what they've created isn't great and the biscuits are glad because they didn't know they had to do work on this show. So Mona then comes to Blythe and both Blythe and Mona are a bit uneasy, but Mona allows her to stay because uh, Blythe knows how to work with like less than ideal stuff. Meanwhile, Mona then goes to McKenna, and Blythe sees that McKenna stole her fabric, and Mona declares McKenna the winner of the round. Blythe confronts McKenna about the stealing, and McKenna says she just borrowed it, handing what's left back to Blythe. Blythe asks, what happened to my fun roommate? 
McKenna says, nothing. You're just my biggest competition. And you don't get far in fashion by playing fair. Blythe insists that fair is the only way to play, and the two growl at each other. Mona loves the spectacle of the arguing and asks the camera people to capture it. So, for the next round, they drop all pretenses of this not being just a cooking competition show. And Mona asks for edible clothing because it's big in Milan. <laughs> I, I'm not familiar with fashion shows if they exist, but this gives off like a Chops or Master Chef or Cutthroat Kitchen or Guy's Grocery Games kind of vibe to me. So the contestants rush to get their food. And like once their outfits are made, someone is snipped for making a dress out of meat. And they even have like the chopped kind of like naming convention thing going where like you've been chopped or you've been snipped on snip mates. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess like cut off of cutthroat kitchen, but cutthroat kitchen is more about being a, jerk and this seems more like a direct like pure competition rather than well i mean i guess mckenna is being a jerk but it's not incentivized so someone made a dress of meat and gets snipped and mckenna has broccoli bikini and mona grabs some broccoli off of it and eats it and a release has to be signed somewhere because this is weird. Like, express yourself however you want. I don't, I don't care. But li literally, slight. It just feels weird that like, like. I mean, it's it's kind of the purpose, but an adult. Uh, um. Re removing, like, it, it's not enough to undo everything. Oh, uh, this is just, this is weird. <laughs> this is just weird to me. That, like, an adult removes part of an article of clothing off of some, of, off of a minor and eats it. I, that a release has to be signed for like that to be allowed cuz that that's just weird to me like it it's it's the hmm, this is really dicey territory pun not intended but I'll I'll take it it's it's really dicey but like mm it's it's like, it's like one of those things that maybe the writers didn't want you to think about exactly. And then it happens again when Blythe comes in with a marshmallow miniskirt. Mona again grabs some, it's just weird. Like, I don't, I don't know how this is allowed is my thing. Like, I don't know, like, uh, it's, um, 
man, that this really grinded this whole episode to a halt. Cause like, I was bam, 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 bam. I'm not even 20 minutes in, and this whole thing just makes it come to a stop. So Mona has a taste. Like, one of the marshmallows, it's not... It it doesn't become indecent at any point. It's just weird. And Mona asks if the marshmallows are sugar-free. Blythe is shocked, and McKenna is holding the sugar marshmallows. And Blythe dejectedly says, yeah. Mona appreciates the sugar-free twists and says that they're both passing to the final round... And everyone else who is also in meatwear is snipped. I guess it's just unoriginal at this point because Lady Gaga did it. Also, why did they have that much meat? Like, that, like, a a num like, it's less than two hands of people, but I think it's more than one hand of people made meatware were they sponsored by an arby's somehow do they have the meats so whatever let's let's go blaith then comments on how mckenna's plan backfired but mckenna shoots back with maybe i'm setting you up with an epic fail and blaith is concerned so the day camp is messed up and the pets are cowering Pepper comes stumbling across the floor with her head in an accordion and that she says she thought playing the accordion would work. She falls over and Zoe drags her off. Russell comments on how they're running out of distractions. Minka says that she has an idea and jumps into the fray. Vinny and Sunil return triumphant, but when the bag they're carrying opens, it's full of like crushed cookies and stuff. And... Zoe points out that those aren't sugar sprinkles. Minka says she doesn't have it and is running away from a furious sugar sprinkles. Vinny and Sunil nervously leave again and try to get sugar sprinkles this time. So this is kind of the problem with a good amount of episodes. Like, the whole bottle episode quality of, like, the pet portion. Where, like... I mean, this isn't even a bad concept. I like this concept, and I like how it plays out. But this scene barely justifies its own existence. Like, I don't I don't know entirely why this scene exists. Like, I mean, they could cut it to give, like, the A-plot more to work with. You know? And... It needs a little more to work with. Like, it it's good on its own. And, like, this B-plot is also good. But, I don't know. Like, the whole, like, thing is, like, the A-plot with the humans feels a lot more impactful than... The B-plot with the pets. And in a show called Littlest Pet Shop. That seems counterintuitive. And like the B-plot might have moved a bit too fast for its own good. 
it's weird. So for the final trial on Snipmates, there are two parts. The first part is work attire. Roger and his co-pilot are there and Roger is excited to be on TV. And Mona says that they'll have to design new uniforms for the pilots. And I am still mad that Emma's mom gets to be in multiple episodes of season four, but Emma hasn't been seen since the end of season two. Just give me something to justify it at least. Like, Emma, like, is off, you know, living somewhere else on on a work-study kind of thing. Like, like Like a fun style experience for... Um, travel guides because she wants to be a travel guide. Emma is such a good character too. Like, it really is. Like, whatever. Blythe is excited because she's been designing outfits for her dad for a long time. Meanwhile, McKenna says that she's never been on a plane, which Blythe turns on her about. I'm gonna call bullhunky on that statement, McKenna. So McKenna has this. Th- Thick southern accent, like thick southern accent, and uses plenty of southernisms. And fun is in upstate New York. It would still be called that, despite the fact that, like, the borders of NYC haven't changed. Really, it's just been broken up into four different cities. So, whatever. So either McKenna is lying or she and her family have driven from Tennessee or whatever to upstate New York twice now. Well, back and forth. Well, no, McKenna's family would have to do it four times. Because to drop her off, to pick her up, to drop her off again, and then, well, I mean, I guess now for the eventual drop down. I mean, she could just be, like, a southerner who moved to upstate New York. But how long has she... She has to have lived in the South for a significant amount of time. Otherwise, her accent and mannerisms make no sense. So... Back at the pet shop, Penny is wondering how long they have to keep this up. Zoe says at law, as long as it takes, because this is the only thing that's working. So they are all balancing on a ball, and Penny's on the bottom. Sugar Sprinkles is calm and purring, but is still in her feral form. Penny has to sneeze. The pets beg her not to, but she can't help it. Sugar Sprinkles gets mad again and rampages, while everyone else runs. Vinny and Sunil comes in with sprinkles this time, and they wonder how to get it on her head, and Vinny trips. The bag lands on Sugar Sprinkles' head, and they think it works, and Vinny congratulates himself, but it doesn't quite work, and Sugar Sprinkles chases him. Russell, Sunil, and Zoe wonders why it didn't work. They're the right sprinkles. They're the right color. Vinny asks if they're in order, and Russell says they aren't. Vinny wants them to be in order quickly and this could have been solved within the same scene but we cut back to Fawn 
where McKenna shows off her design for Stephanie, Roger's co-pilot and Emma's mom. It looks a tad old-fashioned to me, but Mona likes it. Blythe then makes her presentation. She presents her dad in an outfit which is not only stylish, but also made for comfort. Roger talks about how comfortable he is, talks about his favorite feature, which he pushes a button on his pin, and out pops butt padding for those long lights. Mona declares Blythe the winner of the round, but then a draft comes in, and Roger's uniform gets blown off of him, and Roger, in his underwear, tells everyone to edit this out. McKenna feigns innocence by asking if anyone else is warm in here, and she's by the open window, and then she closes it, and McKenna points out that Blythe's outfit might not be flight ready or ready for takeoff. There was a pun in there. I didn't get the exact pun. Mona agrees and retroactively gives McKenna the win. Blythe wonders what happened, and McKenna low-key admits to just straight-up sabotage, which, how and when, exactly? Just, I, I don't get, like... Like, if if Blythe is, like, making this for Roger, like, both Blythe and Roger are, like, keeping their eyes on this at all times. There's no good time for McKenna to mess this up. So, McKenna then laughs, which gets the attention of the Biscuits who are still there because that's their laugh. (laughs) which is a good, good bit. Mona says that Blythe is a bit behind, but she can make it up in the final round, which is to design something for Mona. So Mona gives them boxes, which are some of her favorite things, artificially shortened longhorns, a pageless notebook, and a ceremonial cape from the upper reaches of lower Antarctica. So... Let's pause here for a second. So this would imply that there is native human life on Antarctica. So so in this world, the, the alternate history hub idea of Antarctica being inhabitable is real in some capacity. Part of it still has to be glacial, Otherwise, that one picture Mrs. Tomley showed us of her sister in Antarctica doesn't make sense. But part of it has to be green enough for people to live on it. And it also still has to be called Antarctica instead of Australia because the reason Australia has its name is because, like, way before, like, either of those continents were discovered by the Europeans, like, there, there, like, existed the idea of Terra Australis, which is where Australia gets its name from. So, the idea of Terra Australis is that there is a landmass on the southern point 
of the world that is just as big as in the north. That's actually where Terra Australis comes from. It means southern land. Terra being land, Australis being southern. So the northern lands would actually be called Terra Borealis because Borealis means north in Latin, I guess, because Australis means southern in Latin. So there's that. And there's also the idea of whatever weird Australian megafauna or Antarctic megafauna. Come to think of it, Antarctica still has to exist in its form because of Parker, the penguin, in that in uh, in that one episode. So, part of us and uh, part of Antarctica has to be glacial, but part of it has to be inhabitable. I'm getting really deep into this like throwaway joke. Because I am so interested in th- these sorts of details that I, I get caught up on them. And, uh, like, this also begs the question that is most important for this show, arguably. Uh, Antarctic megafauna. Because, uh, the... I, I, I just got done rewatching the what if Antarctica was a green continent video on alternate history hub and like whatever megafauna was there like might have been like dwindled down by the like whatever people came in between you know uh, okay so so like it even like it implies like like the alternate history hub idea of Antarctica being inhabitable is uh like like fits with with this throwaway gag because Mona says this is like the upper reaches of lower Antarctica. So 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 like according to that alternate history hub idea, I'm spending a lot of time on this. I am sorry, but I just love it. Uh like so in in that alternate history hub video, uh, like he states that like the the Europeans would settle on the opposite coast of where like the the Maori would have settled Antarctica if like they both settled it. So like and and that and that cloak seems more. Uh, like Maori, or at least not European. So their their section would be named Lower Antarctica, because Europeans are all high and mighty, and think of what they settled as Upper Antarctica. So that might just be two continents that have been split into one like Eurasia where the border is a bit fuzzy and same with Antarctica man I just 
<sighs> oh man, I I hope you loved that little bit. Cause I sure did. So back back to the episode. Back to the episode. Mona says that Blythe will have to do a really good job to catch up. Blythe is clearly nervous about all of this. So, Vin back at the pet shop, Vinny is still out running Sugar Sprinkles. Minka then leaps into action and rearranges Sugar Sprinkles' Sugar Sprinkles. And as Vinny has his back against the wall, Sugar Sprinkles returns to normal and wonders what is happening. So Russell says, you don't know. And Sugar Sprinkle says the last thing she remembers is she was hungry but ran out of cat food, so she ate her sprinkles. Oh well, see ya! And she prances off while the pets faint. So, this episode is really backloaded with rants because I've got another one right now and another one planned for later. So, let's unpack this for a second. A while ago, I got a comment by... Uh, Aunt Christy on Twitter saying that she's the queen of freaking darkness and instead of writing that off completely I took it in stride not just because it was fun but because it explains this Sugar Sprinkles basically houses a demon a literal demon inside of her that causes destruction and the sprinkles on her head have to be have to be in the exact nature, color, and placement on her head in order to keep the demon sealed. Christy might be a nice queen of darkness for not letting the demon inside Sugar Sprinkles run rampant all the time, or maybe someone is stopping her. I don't know. I think it's the former, because, like, Blythe barely like wants to talk about her pet speaking ability let alone her weird transferal of biscuit energy thing oh dear god <laughs> i sincerely hope this is no one's first episode of the pet cast because there are a lot of things going over your head right now if this is i am i am sorry i am very sorry but, but, uh, like, this whole thing just explains everything. Like, the fact that Sugar Sprinkles is blissfully unaware of the literal demon inside her that has to be sealed by literal Sugar Sprinkles in the exact order, uh, and exact color and stuff like makes this even more like i don't know like something it's like i don't go i am i am so sorry to everyone who is listening to this without any prior context <laughs> because like every everything in this episode is just like a callback to something. Uh. So. Like. Th this is just like. Yeah I think. Christy is a benevolent queen of freaking darkness. In all of this. 
So, back at fun, Blaith is trying to psych herself up about this last task. The biscuits come up to her saying that they need to talk. They want to help her and they struggle getting that out. They then say, McKenna doesn't get to pick on you. Only we get to pick on you. Which, if that is not the most frenemies thing in the world, I do not know what is. I mean, well, okay. I know what is. It's coming up. It's coming up. So, the Biscuits explain that they want to sabotage McKenna. Blythe says thanks, but no thanks. I want to win this fair and square. And the Biscuits are frustrated, and they say, if Blythe doesn't want us to do it, that just makes us want to do it more. Like, like basically, if Blythe doesn't want us to help her, we will help her, and we want to do it more, is the most frenemies thing ever. So, here we go. Biscuit Redemption Arc Part 3. So, this is amazing, and I love it. And this is, like, we're going to go into it. So Blythe and McKenna are working at their desks while the Biscuits situate themselves behind McKenna. They talk about how McKenna got this far by cheating and they feel sorry for her. McKenna comes in and says she wasn't. She was just testing Blythe's skill. But no more. McKenna says that she can outdesign Blythe any day. And she says, look at her. She's so upbeat and naive. Meanwhile... I've been in the real fashion world. I'm more like Mona Autumn than she is. The Biscuits ask her to prove it, and McKenna says she will. She goes to design, and the Biscuits are like, that totally worked. So, yes, queens. This is a Cheryl Blossom move. This, like, redemption arc is going in that direction, and I love it. I love it all the same. Oh, Yes, queens. Like, so then McKenna comes out dressed in an amalgamation of Mona's favorite stuff and says something about how Mona is complicated. Mona rejects it immediately and saying that designing for her might be too hard. So if Blythe fails, McKenna wins. The Biscuits congratulate themselves for bringing on McKenna's downfall. Blythe then begins her presentation. She has a little, literal presentation where she brings down a thing and has a PowerPoint. So, she says, uh, like, she begins by bringing up the day she worked for Mona Autumn and how it was terrible. She says she felt that the world wanted you to fail, but Mona doesn't fail? Why? Because she keeps things simple. So if you ignore outside distractions, you'll get something simple. And Blythe pulls out a black cape cloak kind of thing that matches the outfit Mona's wearing currently. Mona loves it and declares Blythe the winner. The Biscuits are like, she totally won because of us. And not because that cape is super cute or anything. <laughs> Which, this is a hard turnaround for the Biscuits. Like, they do it. They are somewhat likable now. Like, this is what I was thinking of in the first episode when I said, uh, like, the Biscuits aren't 
that antagonistic. And they are for the first two to three seasons, depending on how you want to look at certain things. And, oh, like, I was thinking of, like, this stuff and later stuff. And let's not forget Blay, who faced almost all of her worst moments we've seen in this show. Like, fun, being on TV, and, uh, like, working for Mona Autumn. And trying to impress Mona Autumn. If if this was somehow in French, and if Ricard, uh, uh, Ramon was here somehow, like that might that might be it. But as it stands, Blythe is still triumphing in the face of a lot of adversity, plus. Plus the fact that one of her former friends turned on her. Like, that is something. Like, like this is, like, like character development the episode for Blythe. Because, like, like, episode one Blythe would have broken down instantly. But now, like, she is fighting for something that she really, truly wants. And it's all because of what we've seen her go through and all of that. Like, she is not backing down. Like, maybe maybe the book has given her a deeper connection to her mom, which allows her to tap into that, like, energy she has more. Which, like, it's assisted, but, like, everything is assisted kind of where like Blythe is like made several pet friends and several human friends like since she moved to downtown city like where before like she was like nervous and not really that outgoing apparently like she really kept to herself like yeah I guess we didn't we don't really get to see any of her friends from her previous, you know, life. Like, like, Blythe doesn't even reference them. Like, maybe that's just because, like, she was a recent, like, Kids Next Door transfer out of by being a teen. Oh, there's, there's a lot of headcanon-y stuff in this episode and I am very very sorry to someone who's jumping in here right away but yeah like her learning about her mom her becoming friends with people her like learning to like talk to someone like Mona Autumn has put her in this position and I absolutely love it so Mona congratulates Blythe and says her design will be at blah blah blahs. Tell your friends fast. So the next day or whenever Blythe and the pets and sugar sprinkles are at blah blah blahs to see Blythe's design, but it goes away quickly for a pink swim 
suit-like thing with fishbowls for heads. Blythe writes it off as fashion moving fast, especially at an exclusive place like Blobity Blahs. And they leave... Everyone leaves except for Sugar Sprinkles, who plays a song on her taped-up ukulele about fashion. And that ends the episode? So it's weird. That last scene is not great. Like, it kind of trips at the finish line a bit. It it's more like you you can kind of see it stumbling a bit in the race, but for the most part it does all right. And then it just stumbles and trips. It's kind of like uh the beginning of cars where like like you can see Lightning McQueen making the mistake of like not getting his tires changed, and that like costs him a definitive victory. And instead, it goes to a tie that goes to a tiebreaker. So it, it kind of just feels like that. Like, the last scene, it's just Blythe and the Pets. And Sugar Sprinkles. Not Buttercream. Not Young Me. Not Sue, Jasper, Cora, or Emma, or her dad... Or, I mean, I guess Mona wouldn't make too much sense, but, like... Or or Mrs. Twombly, someone who's also been with her since the beginning. Or whatever. There's no, there's no even, like, McKenna redemption scene at the end, so she's just bad forever. She's just antagonistic forever. Like, she's a heel forever, and, like, it kind of stinks. Like, in this otherwise good episode about Blythe... About Blythe's character development and all of the trials and tribulations she's faced coming to a head in this episode. And her coming out the other side, like unscathed and shining like because of the influence those people had on her and we don't even get to see them in that moment of like celebration like like the fashion moves fast joke is fine enough but like Everyone there would have made it like like a better moment and a more punchy moment. And like like I said, the B side, the B story, like that's not a bad story. That's a good story. I like that B side. It's not like Sunil trying to paint and not painting well. I don't like that B story. Like, it's not that I don't... Like, you can keep that B story in there. Or at least maybe move it to a different episode. I don't know. Something. Like, there's just not a good balance. Like, they they spend too much time on that B story that, like, didn't need that much time. And they could have spent it on, like, you know, 
things involving like Blythe being reminded of why she's strong or like all of the like characters being there to support Blythe or even like a McKenna redemption scene. Cause like, like McKenna's doing this stuff, not out of like pure vitriol, but because she wants to win desperately. There's a slight difference. And I think if they explored that difference and explored the relationship Blythe and McKenna had and have and like why Blythe left fun and is now back with a vengeance and like McKenna being like, you know, some someone that like Blythe was somewhat close to like. I don't know, there could have just been more there. Like, what's here is great. Don't get me wrong. But they're just... Hmm. This is just another bit of untapped potential. And it's it's sad because, like, this bit of untapped potential is only slightly untapped. Like... Like, there, there's a lot that goes into this. Like, a lot that goes into Blythe's character development as seen in this episode. <sighs> but, for whatever reason, like, it, it just trips at the finish line. It just, like, thinks it's run out before it has. It's, it's I don't know. I don't know. Some something might have happened. Like, uh, like, like. Still, it's a it's a great episode. It's a great episode. Don't get me wrong. It's great, but it's just missing that je ne sais quoi, if you will. It's missing that something it's missing that final piece that brings it all together anyway that will be it for this episode of the list petcast be sure to leave a comment and review on shout engine on apple podcast on the google play store and wherever else rss feeds go when they discover Antarctica, I guess. And be sure to tune in next time for the episode Guilt Tripping. I will see you then. Can you imagine if I brought Ricky along <laughs> for this episode? I would have to explain so much to him <laughs> on top of that Antarctica rant I went on 
the whole thing would have taken like two hours. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs>